for that song. It's one that we all relate to one time or the other. Amen? We either relate to it right now or from things that have happened in the past or we know that there may be something in the future that causes us to relate to that song. But we're thankful. The things that come our way, God's not surprised by but He knows everything that touches our lives. Matter of fact, it has to get past Him first, right? And so I'm grateful for that. This time we'll dismiss our children's church from age 3 to age 6 and go right to this side. Thank the walkers have that rotation today, and we are grateful for our kids. Hey, Russ, where are y'all going to be at? Which room today? Which room are y'all? Sparks room. We'll send, we'll send for you right before the end, okay, for... Baptism, all right? And we will have baptism at the end of this service today. And uh, so help me remember to send on down there for them, all right? If you have your Bible in front of you, turn to Romans 6, 1 through 4. If you don't, hang in there. It'll be on the screen shortly. But you need to uh, have Scripture in some form today. And today is... A great special day because of baptism we'll do in just a little bit. A lot of times we do it, most of the time we do it at the front of the service. Today we're throwing you a curveball we're going to do it at the end of the service. I tell you what, you ought to be glad for a baptism anytime we do it in a service. Amen? If we just cut out in the big middle of it and did it, you ought to be thrilled to have it. Isn't that right? And so we'll do that shortly, but we'll have a chance to, to have baptism here and, and baptize a couple of our kids who have professed their faith and uh, the beginning of their relationship with Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And you can't get more excited and more happy uh, than that because that's what it's all about. You know, it would be so wonderful, so cool, so great if we could have baptisms every service. Not just a baptism, but if we could baptize. 25 a service would be great, wouldn't it? Wouldn't that be good? I, I, I would love 25 baptisms of service. But, you know, we don't in real life get to see that here. Some places may do. But we're so thrilled when we're able to be a part of that. And so today we're going to get a chance to do that. And you know me. I get excited when I get in the water so anything's liable to happen. So, But uh, be looking forward to that. So Romans 6, 1. I do want to talk about baptism today. And many times I feel prompted by God when I know we're going to have a baptism service, to just go back and talk about the basics of baptism. I think it's one of the things that we need to talk about. I, I, I come across this many times when I talk to kids, when they want to express to me that they feel God's maybe sharing with them or maybe they're coming to a realization that, that they're a sinner or maybe they, they've heard so much truth that they need some some clarification, they've gotten a lot of teaching. And so they'll come to me many times, and, and one of the first things that, that the children say many times is, is that, you know, I think it's time that I get baptized. Now, these two kids that we're going to baptize today didn't do that. They came out and used all the technical jargon, and they did everything the way they were supposed to. But a lot of times when people come forward, not just children, but sometimes children and other folks, that they want to say, you know, I think it's time for me to be baptized. Well, baptism is a great thing. I'm excited about it today. But what you need from the Lord Jesus Christ isn't a water baptism. What you need from God through Jesus Christ today 
is salvation that only comes from God through Jesus Christ because of what He did on the cross. Baptism is the celebration of that. It's the symbol of what happens in a life of, those, of someone who's accepted Christ as Savior. It's a wonderful picture. Can't get no better, but salvation's what you need. And so we want to talk about what baptism is today. And I find it's a pretty good deal and it's a great avenue to talk about folks who may talk about this with folks who may, may have just some questions about baptism today. So Romans 6, 1 through 4, let's look at what it says. Would you stand with me as we read from God's Word? It says in verse 1 of Romans 6, What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin? That grace may abound? Certainly not. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? Or do you not know that as many of us as were baptized in the Christ Jesus were baptized into His death? Therefore, we're buried with Him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. Father, thank You today for Your Word, how truthful it is, how powerful it is. It is the very truth that we need to hear. God, today I pray that You touch me, touch those who would hear, bind any force that would keep Your Word from being planted. Any demonic hindrance, God, I pray, so we could hear exactly what You'd say to us today. I pray Your Holy Spirit would seal this Word in our hearts so that we can use it in days to come. And God, we would know what it means to be a baptized believer in You. We love You. And we thank You for being with us today. In Jesus' name, Amen. You may be seated. Once again, we welcome all those that are with us today, those we see every Sunday, and those we may not get to see every Sunday. We're grateful to see you today with us. Now, baptism is a beautiful picture of what happens in the life of a believer when Jesus saves them. The act, the thing you're wanting to see happen, the, the thing that all of us need is the salvation. But the picture, the illustration, is a beautiful thing. As a person goes down in the water, he's reminded or she's reminded that, that Christ died so that they could be forgiven of their sins. As you look at this, we know that baptism symbolizes the fact that we're placed in the body of God. Because when we go down in the water, we're reminded that we can be forgiven of those sins. And as we come up out of the water, we're, we're reminded that not only did I die with Christ, but listen, now I live because of Him. I, I requested because He lives today. I don't do that every service, but every so often I request, and since I'm the pastor, I usually get that granted for me. I appreciate that. And, and, and that's a wonderful song that reminds us that because God, Jesus lives, we can live, we can face tomorrow. Anything that happens to us happens because Jesus lives. And isn't that a wonderful promise to remember? I, I'm glad that Jesus and I know this sounds kind of bad a little bit, so hang in there. I, I'm glad Jesus was crucified. But I'm even more glad that He rose again. 
because he wasn't defeated at the cross, but victory came at the cross by what he did. And so he, he, he defeated death, hell, and the grave at the cross. He's risen again, and now the Scripture tells me he's risen with healing in his wings. He comes so that I can be offered salvation, and because he lives, I can face tomorrow. And baptism symbolizes the fact that we're placed in the family of God. Now there's a lot of Old Testament water rituals, a lot of different baptisms that, that were practiced. A lot of it was for symbolic purification. A lot of it went along with the Jewish rituals and a lot of those things. But by John's time, it was used with converts to Judaism. So when John was baptizing, these people who were converting to Judaism as they were going along with the other rituals that they had to do, this was also kind of a symbol at John's time that they were converting to Judaism. And so that's what he was baptism, baptizing into. A lot of people say, well, why is John baptizing? And, and, and then they get into the confusion of when Jesus is baptized. And they said, well, Jesus wasn't being baptized into Judaism. You, you're absolutely correct. He was already a Jew. Amen? But he was being baptized just to give that illustration. And, and God is able to put his seal of approval on Jesus at that point in a public light. Certainly baptism isn't for salvation. Because why Jesus need to be saved? Amen? But He was identifying with those followers of God at that time. It's an identification process. We get all excited in just a moment. We will. When these two are baptized and we can say, yes, they are part of us publicly. We can see that they're already a part of us, but we publicly identify that they are part of the body of Christ, especially here at Red Springs, but not just here, but the body of Christ of every believer, those who are saved again, that identifies that they are identifying with them, that they're a part of that body. But I got news for you. When Jesus saves you, you're already a part of the body of Christ. And if you never have the opportunity to be baptized the work of what Christ does in the heart is way more important than what happens in the water. The water's neat. I already shared with you. I get excited when I get in the water. It's a lot of fun to do that, and I'm so grateful for the opportunity. Brian came his first few months, and the little rascal baptized three right off the bat, and I didn't get to baptize anybody. And he asked me, are we going to have a problem with this? Are you going to be all right? I'll be okay with it as long as I get to do it pretty soon. Amen? And then I had to, I got three to baptize after that. And so we're okay right now. We're about, I'm ahead of you a couple, so we're good. As long as I stay one or two ahead, I'll be fine. But the, it's, as, as wonderful as that is, we never want to overshadow the miraculous work that Jesus does in the heart, whether that occurs or not. God does something only God can do. God, through the death, burial, and resurrection of His Son, is able to regenerate a sinful, dead corpse. He's able to go to you when you have no hope, offer you hope, because He loves you. And He is able to regenerate, He's able to bring you to life. And it all happens here. Now, I don't know exactly where here is. I understand I'm not talking about the blood pumping muscle this morning. But in that part of 
a person that only God can touch in the Spirit. And God's able to do that. Isn't it funny how we say things like, have you asked Jesus into your heart? And then you're dealing with a very literal child and they're trying to figure out how you're going to rip open that breastbone and get into the muscle and all that stuff. Listen, Jesus comes into the heart, but it's not the physical heart. More important, He comes into the spiritual being of the person and resides with them. Somebody says, well, I don't know if I want somebody living in Him. You want Jesus living on the inside. Amen? A few years ago, if you're a computer person, the, the big phrase was intel on the inside. I got news for you. Jesus is a whole lot better than intel on the inside. You need the Spirit of God or you're, the Scripture says you're not His. You know, Baptists, sometimes we get a little nervous about talking about the Holy Spirit and we don't know exactly what all that means and, and we get a little squeamish. But I tell you what, whether you're a Baptist uh, uh, or whatever you are, you want the Spirit of God on the inside because Scripture says that's the proof, that's the evidence that you're even saved. So I need Him, not it, this morning. Amen? I need Him, the Holy Spirit of God. And so as we look at this, John's time was using baptism uh, to convert to, to Judaism. And, and baptism, of course, you've heard this before in Bible studies and, and all. It comes from this Greek word, baptizo, which means to dip, submerge, or immerse. And then, of course, we get into all the different ways that they baptize and they sprinkle and they dunk and all. You know, what do we do? I, I shared with you that my friend who, when I was in another, at the other church and, and there was a Methodist church there close to us and and uh, he, he asked me one Sunday, he said, and we had a great relationship. I loved him and he's a good guy and he's, he always helped me when I needed him to help. And he said, this next Sunday, we're, we're going to baptize a, a couple of, of our church members. Can we use your baptism? Because typically they would, they would sprinkle, but on occasion they get a request. And when they get a request, they would submerge. And he said, can we, can we please use your baptism? I said, brother, anytime you want to do it right, call me. And of course, that was just a little banner between me and him and no harm and no foul. He knew what I was saying. But it is a, a wonderful time. Jesus authorized baptism when He said in, in Matthew 28, 18, Go therefore, remember that, and make disciples of all the nations baptizing in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Because whenever you see someone baptized, you always hear the minister or whoever's baptizing say that. So when we do this, we have scriptural basis. We understand what is done and we're trying to follow as best as we understand what Christ calls us to do in terms of baptism. So there's just three things I think I want to share with you today about the meaning of baptism. My first principle that I'd like to share is this one. And this is very simple. You can understand it. You can get a hold of it. Jesus died so you don't have to. Amen? Aren't you glad that Jesus died so you don't have to? A very simple, very straight to the point, not so theologically deep that you can't put your hands on it, but yet it is beyond me why He would do it, and yet I'm glad He did. John 3.16 tells us why He did it, that Jesus was given for our salvation because He loves us. Very simply, he so loves the world that He gave Jesus, His only Son, so that we would not have to die. You can try to figure that out if you want to. You can try to reason it out. Help yourself. 
But at the end of the day, I'm just dumb enough to accept that Jesus loves me and that's why I don't have to die if I don't want to. I don't have to. I can choose to be saved. I, I, can, I can accept that gift that God's freely offering to me. It's whether I submit or not. That's all I got to do with it. And as we symbolize Jesus' death, we're reminded that we identify with that death. People always want to talk about living in Christ. They always want to talk about the life in Christ. But you're going to have to remember something. In order to have life in Christ, you're going to have to have a death part. In order to have new life, you're going to have to have a death. You're going to have to symbolize that I'm dead to the old man. I'm dead to the old ways. I'm dead to the old mindset and into my sin. I want to be dead to my sin. Is there anything in your old life that you want to hang on to? I'm going to tell you this morning, not me. Because everything connected with the old life, with the old man, represents death. And there may be some things that, oh, I kind of like to hold on to this, and maybe I can just put this in a box somewhere. But there's nothing in the old life that, that I want. Jesus offers it all new. And what He offers in the new life is, is what I need. And it's what you need. We don't have to literally die. Isn't that cool? We don't now, now now hang on a second. One day, scripture says it's appointed unto man once to die and then the judgment. I know one day it's gonna happen. But it's not gonna be a permanent thing. See, death in scripture is never, church, annihilation. It's always a it's just a relocation. It's a separation. When I die, I'll be separated from my friends, from my loved ones. I'll be separated from this wonderful body that you see before you today. I'll, I'm separated. This, this, I mean, how, could, how would anybody want to leave this, right? Be careful. I can get you from the pulpit and you can't say a word. But isn't it a wonderful thing? That it's just separation. It's not permanent. It goes two ways. Because there'll be a relocation of sorts. Because I will end up somewhere. I won't be in limbo. I'm not going to go to this non-existent plane. My spirit's going to end up somewhere. And I'll say very plainly to you today, those two destinations are called heaven and they're called hell. Churches really speak about heaven, but they tend to step back from hell. In, in the last few years, there's been so much speculation on it. It's really nothing new, but it's been articulated. New, new, a new book came out and everybody got up at arms not too long ago. But it's not a new thought because a lot of people want to take hell out of the equation. I'll be honest with you. It'd be nice if there was no hell. But the reality of it is there's a hell. There is a place of torment that will last forever for those who reject Christ as Savior. I can't sugarcoat that. I won't sugarcoat that. I'll not neglect preaching about that. You need to know there is a place for those who disobey Christ and reject His love. Just as sure as there's a place for those who accept His salvation freely offered. Amen? You never need to be ashamed of saying that. 
Don't be afraid of mentioning that. Not too long ago, I think it was last year, Tommy and I were at a, and Brian too, I think we're at some sort of lunch and another minister was there and the minister mentioned that he put on a sign something about hell. I don't remember exactly what it was, but he got a call at the church office and, and the person was just livid. It was church members. I don't think we ought to be putting stuff about hell on our sign. I'll not make a comment on that particular church or, or thing, but you need to know, you need to know as part of this flock as much about hell as you know about heaven. Amen? I, I just feel so strongly. Not because I'm trying to scare you. Not because I'm trying to be somebody that, 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 that's just using theatrics. You know me better than that. But you need to understand what's at stake. And there is a place for those who reject Christ. Romans 6.23 tells us that, that the wages of sin, the things that we do and the, and the nature we're born in because of Adam, the wages of sin is death. But aren't you glad the second part of that goes on and tells us that the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. I'm, I'm glad for Scripture because Scripture can paint something so bleak in one part in just a few words, Jesus takes care of it. Just like that. Justice requires that you die. And it also requires that you be eternally separated from God and confined to a place of torment called hell. That's what justice requires. All these people that say, I just want what i got coming to me. I just give me what I deserve. Are you sure? Are you really sure? You don't want that. I don't want justice. I want mercy. Amen? I want what Jesus has for me. And Jesus came because He loves you and wants to provide a way for you to be saved from what justice demands. Second principle I want to share with you today is this. You are truly alive because of Christ. Sometimes I wake I woke up this morning, I wasn't real sure I was truly alive. I'll be honest with you. It took a while to kind of, you ever watch your computer slowly boot up and it takes a while? And get a, Tommy doesn't, I know, but you get three or four bars. And uh, I felt like I was, on, I was a long time to boot up this morning. How about that? The Bible teaches us that He, Jesus, is the way, the truth, and the life. And He's not only life, but He's everything about life. Everything He does is life. You just can't say, Jesus is boom, there is life. But there is everything about Him speaks of life. He comes in the room. There's life. You know, I've shared before, and not too long ago, that, that Jesus is... is you know, we, we say Paul's a great preacher and some of the others are a great preacher, but really the greatest preacher that ever lived was Jesus Christ. And yet he, ne he, he I've done something as a preacher that even Jesus, at least according to Scripture, has never done. I've preached funerals. Scripture shows me that Jesus just raised the dead. Amen? He come in contact that 
with the sick. He could heal them. And he did raise the dead. It's no big problem. He comes to the, the case of Lazarus and they said, if you'd have got here a little sooner, but it's been three days and I don't even think even you can do anything about this. You ever, you, you ever feel challenged or, or, or like you can't do something? Or you feel a sense of helplessness? Oh, there's no way I can do anything. I want you to know that Jesus has never felt helplessness. He's never met a challenge. God's not ever been challenged. And He brings life, the Scriptures teach. Acts 17 says it this way, For in Him we live and move and have our being as also... Some of our own poets have said, for we are also His offspring. All that we do, in Him, we're able to do those things. See, we're born into this world dead. We have physical life, but we're born spiritually dead. When Jesus saves us, He breathes on a lifeless spirit. In church, He resuscitates it. It doesn't matter how long he's been dead. You know, after a while, they tell the doctors, you're going to have to call it. I used to watch those shows like MASH or some of the other doctor shows, and, and they put a valiant effort. I, I, I used to like doctor shows until I married a doctor, and then it kind of took all the mystery out of it. But, but you watch those doctor shows, and, and, and they'll lay them up on the table, and, and they'll just pound on a chest, and they'll hook up cables, yell clear, They'll put a valiant fight, but one thing they realize, at some point, they're going to have to put the cables down and somebody says, you're going to have to call it because he's dead. Nobody's ever had to tell Jesus to call it because he brings life. Brings life. And then we worry, don't we, about everything when Jesus brings life. Last principle is this. Your new life that He gives you is to be lived for Him. The wonderful thing as these two come today is that they're going to demonstrate their love for Christ and their obedience to what He's called them to do. But this is not the end. This is not the, the explanation point. This is the beginning right here of their life forever, how long God gives them to live on this earth. And with children, you expect it to be many, many years. For whatever years He gives to Caleb and Michaela today, it starts right here with their identification with Christ. They're placed in the body of Christ. They are now part of us. They are now actively learning about Jesus, even though they have been before. But they're being discipled to learn to, to follow Him. And that's your job. Somebody said, no, you're the preacher. That's your job. I, I, I don't mind doing my job, but I'm not going to do both our jobs. Amen? It's, it's the body of believers who are called upon to disciple other believers and to help them be brought into His body. Baptism is the first public act 
of obedience, if you think about it. It's the first public act of obedience. How many more acts will they have to, to show their obedience in their life? I'll tell you what, it, it, as we live our lives, how many times have you publicly demonstrated who you are in Christ? Maybe you've done it in baptism and maybe you've stood up and testified. Maybe you've come to the, to the altar. Maybe you've dedicated yourself to some service or some act. But there are people all across the nation making proclamations and all across the world who are having to stand and proclaim who they are. And in many places they make that proclamation. These guys are going to get cheers today. They're going to be excited. But there are many people in the world today who are making proclamations about serving the Lord and they're facing death. But church, they're still identifying with the body of Christ. Our life that is given to us is to be lived for Him. Listen, today as we prepare to close, you need to know this. Church, it's never too late to recommit. Never too late to commit for the first time. As long as He's drawing you. He may be talking to you this morning. Maybe He's already talked to you. But don't put off what God wants to do in you if you know it's time. We caution kids and talk to kids and, and make sure that they know that we're not pushing them into anything. I hope one of my greatest fears and my, and my greatest hope is no kid will ever come back on me in any time in my ministry as I get to be gray, either shinier headed or grayer headed than I am right now. I hope they never come back and tell me that they feel that I pushed them in any way. I'm conscious of that. I worry about that. Of, of all the things in the ministry that I'm concerned with, that's probably in my top ten. Maybe top five. When a child commits their self, or any person commits their life to Jesus Christ, I want to make sure it's a thing between them and Jesus Christ. That's the most important thing. But as we prepare to close, it's never too late for you to commit. And the question really is this, as they come to prepare the invitation, <clears throat> what is Christ speaking to you this morning? What are you getting from this message? Because ultimately, every service boils down to two people, you and the Lord. And we all sing together and we all get excited and we have fellowship time and all those things. We're glad to be here with all our friends, with our family, but at the end of the day, it only matters. What did God say to you? And how did you respond? That's what matters. I'm going to ask you to stand today. If you have any need to come to the front to make a decision public or just to pray, please do that today. We've got time. But if God's speaking to you today, please respond. Father, thank You today for Your love, for Your mercy. I pray You speak to the hearts of those that will hear You today. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.